Welcome to The Link. We'll go behind the scenes with local businesses and community leaders, learning their mindset and motivations that make them successful. We'll link you with those making an impact in central Minnesota. Brandon Johnson with Voight Johnson Real Estate and welcome to our third episode of The Link where we bring you local leaders in central Minnesota, people making a difference and making an impact on our community. And today I am so excited uh, to introduce and to be sitting here with Etienne Kofi of Kata and the University of St. Cloud State who has an amazing story and is doing terrific things. Um, Etienne, welcome and thanks for coming. Okay, thank you so much for inviting me. It is really good to be with you. Yeah, um, I want to get into Kata and what you're doing today, but maybe mm -hmm. just start off with um, what brought you to America. The, the original story, you come from the Ivory Coast yes. in mm -hmm. Western Africa, correct? Mm -hmm. um, maybe just give a little bit of the backstory of your upbringing and what brought you to America, and we'll start from there. Okay, good, thank you. So, uh, as you said, I come from the Ivory Coast. Uh, that's where I was born and I grew up. And uh, the story of my coming to America is a long story, sure. but I will uh, hit some main highlights. So, I, I studied linguistics and uh, English at the university in the Ivory Coast. And uh, through some, a friend, coming to a meeting in the U.S., I, it was in the olden days where you have pen pals. Yes. So I asked for a pen pal. There was no email. No email at that time. And uh, that was uh, probably 1983. Okay. And uh, I got connected to a student uh, at the university in the U.S., uh, I think Virginia Tech. Okay. Uh, and uh, she became my pen pal. And so we wrote to each other and... Uh, I said, oh, maybe someday I will go to the U.S. and sure. study. And sure. so that's how uh, the connection was made. But later on, uh, in my second or third year at the university, the U.S. State Department was making scholarships sure. available to, uh, according to them, bright and young, <laughs> young and bright people sure. to come and study in the U.S. And so I got... Uh, uh, the opportunity to come for a summer uh, program uh, where you share your culture with uh, young people, mostly from the inner city, about you know what other countries are like. Sure. And how back in the early '80s in the Ivory Coast, how unique or you had to have been one of the few to attend university to have this opportunity. Uh, I'm assuming. Yeah, the Ivory Coast uh, is is and was a developing country. And so as such, not a lot of uh, opportunities were afforded to many students. Even today, uh, I will say uh, higher education is still a luxury. And so I was uh, blessed uh, to have had that opportunity to, to study at the university yep. and later on to come to the US. Yep. Mm -hmm. So you have your pen pal here mm -hmm. and what university did you attend initially here in the States? Uh, uh, the, okay, so when I, I came, I came for that program from the State Department, and then I went back to the Ivory Coast. Okay. Okay, and uh, finished my degree. And then other opportunities along the way uh, came up. 
And that's how, when I got to come to Indiana University in Indiana. Bloomington, Indiana. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And so um, just to take a step back, in, mm-hmm. your, in the Ivory Coast, mm-hmm. the language there at that time was just oral. Okay, so the Ivory Coast, there are many languages in the Ivory Coast. Okay. There are at least 60 different languages. 60. Yes, and these are not dialects. They are completely different languages. And so uh, the national language of the Ivory Coast is French because uh, the French colonized the yep. Ivory Coast. Yep. So, but uh, in addition to French, uh, people speak uh, 60 different languages. And French is the language of education. But it does not mean that everybody sure. speaks French. You have to have been to school before you can speak French. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're here at the University of Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, then what's where does that take you, or what's the next progression in your okay in your journey? So I came to Indiana University to study linguistics, yeah. uh, with the goal of doing Bible translation into my native language, which is called Anyi. It is spelled A-N-Y-I. And God opened a lot of different opportunities to really make me uh, come here. And so I studied at Indiana University and uh, I finished my linguistic degree. But to do Bible translation, you need to have seminary degree. So I went to Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California and uh, studied uh, biblical languages and biblical uh, geography and things like that. Sure. And then I went back. So at that time, is Christianity mm-hmm. present? It's just mm-hmm. not in the written form. It's all oral passing storytelling. Uh, yes. In my uh, native language, which is Anyi, there was no scriptures at that time. And so the, uh, uh, the gospel and the message the, yeah. of Christianity was just oral. So uh, here's how uh, the preachers in my village got their training. So every three months, they will meet in a local village. Yeah. And the pastor who comes from the city says, these are the stories that we are going to tell for the next three months. And... To, to be honest with you, I don't even know how people remember that. Yeah. But he tells them the story orally. They remember it, and then they come and tell people Sunday after Sunday until yeah. the, the next meeting. So your initial interest was just to document the gospel, mm-hmm. not necessarily to broaden it. You just wanted to be able to pass that on so the tradition of the yeah. gospel carried forward? Yeah. Uh, so, the, yeah, the over overriding goal was to uh, translate scriptures into my native language. But with translation comes a whole bunch of other opportunities. It is like you have opened the Pandora box of opportunities. (laughs) So, So yes, my initial goal is to make sure that scriptures is available in the Anyi language in the written form. And thereafter, a whole bunch of other opportunities. So you're establishing have, the written language of your people. Yeah, the, the, yeah. I mean, there is no question about that. Uh, I, actually, I spent 25 years translating the New Testament. Wow. And right now, I am involved in a dictionary project. There is no dictionary. So uh, on the basis of the translation, I we are putting together a dictionary, which will probably take me 
probably 10 more years wow. to put a dictionary together. Wow. Yes. Mm -hmm. So so after Indiana University, mm -hmm. what what follows that? Okay. So after Indiana University, I went to a Fuller Theological Seminary in California. And after that, I worked for a Bible translation agency for about five years. Okay. And then uh, my contract was finished at that time. So uh, we moved back to Minnesota because my wife is from uh, okay. uh, New Hope. And so I was teaching uh, part- Did you go back to the Ivory Coast or at all? What was oh, that yeah. in between that or? Yeah, I uh, basically almost every year okay. uh, I go back. And, uh, uh, and so, but the actual translation started in 1991. Okay. The dedication of the New Testament happened in 2017. So there were 26 years. Sure. So there were not, those were the silent years, but it was not that silent because I was doing, I was busily doing the translation. Yep. And then in 1997, we started the literacy program because if you translate and the scriptures are available and nobody knows how to read, you, right. you have not done such a fabulous job. So we started a literacy program in 1997 with one village. Sure. And now we are in uh, almost 100 villages. Wow. And uh, as I speak to you, approximately 6,000 people can pick up the Anyi New Testament or any other material written in Anyi and they can read it. And that was not possible before that. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, tell me a little bit, obviously, I think just from a historical standpoint, mm -hmm. the impact of, or getting people to become literate, mm -hmm. there's great success with scripture, right? That's kind of the first and foremost. Yes. But then after that, mm -hmm. now it can become the bedrock of mm -hmm. fundamental lifestyle living. Talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that or how that progresses from the gospel to yeah. Okay. Maintaining, progressing, a, a, improving the lifestyle of, of living. Okay, thank you. Uh, you see, uh, this, the, whatever I am doing now was done for English so long ago that people have forgotten. Okay, sure. Uh, we take it for granted. Uh, yeah, yeah, because, uh, you know, English was written in the 7th century AD and uh, but when we take a historical perspective, we know that a society uh, will not change fundamentally if there is no writing. You see, writing allows any given society to accumulate knowledge in a, a specific place or specific places, which are later on, the knowledge is retrievable. If the, you have knowledge that is scattered out, and it is not retrievable, you don't have knowledge. Or if the knowledge is concentrated in only one individual and that individual passes away, yep. then the knowledge is gone. So literacy allows for the accumulation of knowledge in a retrievable, a retrievable way. And so that is what happened for English. And so we take a historical uh, uh, look and say, okay, this is what happened for English, for French, for uh, sure. China. So let's try to do the same thing. So now that we are doing this and that we have had a literacy program for 
20 years, we are already noticing that people are putting their knowledge down on paper. Yeah. And we building are, blocks. It's yeah. acting as a building block. Yeah, right? and we are also uh, doing the same thing. We we are we are translating not only scriptures, even though scriptures is our main goal. We are also translating uh, health books. We are translating uh, when if we get our hands on really basic technologies like how to improve uh, farming, how to improve this or that. Uh, we are uh, considering. Uh, right now, our next trip will be to see how we can build uh, latrines uh, in villages, uh, so uh, in some villages, so that uh, you know people now that they know how to read, you can tell them, okay, uh, these are the health consequences of not having latrines, and it is not like word of mouth; it right. is written, it is available to them, so they can pick it up and say oh, this is the reason why we should be building latrines or we should be doing this health project or that health yeah. project. It's much more scalable to develop a yeah. greater mm -hmm. level of well-being. Yes. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, talk about, um, you mentioned latrines, but just the water, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, it, there are so many uh, things that, uh, first, it is uh, hard for uh, a person living in America today who has not gone, you know, so for most people in Minnesota, the most remote areas that they have been to we is- We can't the, even comprehend. It, it is the yeah. boundary waters, okay? Right. So the boundary water canoe area is sure. probably the most undeveloped sure. uh, place. Okay, and now imagine that you, a whole bunch of people live there. There is no electricity. There is no running water. You know, and the, it is a farming community. Yep. And so this is, we want to bring, uh, with literacy, we want to bring those basic elements, you know, so that uh, we can affect uh, societal change in a positive way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're setting up, is schools an accurate word for the children or what are you building yeah. there currently? Okay, so we are not building schools in a traditional sense because the government has its schools sure. and, and sure. they are teaching people uh, children in French. But uh, literacy... Because they want to make sure French is still the main language, yes. I'm sure, right? Yes. Uh, and then in, uh, in the Africos, of according to government statistics, 50% of the population is literate. So then you have the other 50% that is not literate, that there is no other language uh, that they can use. Uh, uh, I mean, they cannot use French. They use their own languages that are not written. Yeah. And so our goal is really to reach those 50% sure. and more who are not literate in any other uh, language and teach them literacy in their own languages. Yeah. Because really it is, when a person is not literate, they undervalue themselves. They don't think they are that smart and things like that. Literacy is like you open people's They feel possibilities. a self-stigma almost. Yeah. A self-worth yeah. is, is missing. Yeah. So here's an example. When an older woman okay, was uh, uh, it started attending our literacy classes, she did not go to school. She didn't know how to do anything, read or anything. So she went to our literacy classes and she knew how to read. 
but her daughter, who was in the city, didn't know that her mom has been learning how to sure. read. Sure. So when her daughter came to the village, uh, uh, she got off the bus. Her mom, um, you know, kind of smoothed the dirt yep. and wrote her name. Oh wow! And she was so impressed and so proud. Uh, that's yeah. that's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, so how often? Do you go back? You take groups mm -hmm. from Minnesota back every couple of years, every year. Uh, we have uh, uh, we have taken two groups. The first group was, uh, I believe, in two thousand eight. Uh, we attend a lo we attended a, a local church here called Westwood. Yep, church. Westwood Church. Yeah. So uh, Westwood was took a keen interest in our project, and so in two thousand eight they made some funds available so that we can build the literacy center, okay? And so the pastor, Pastor Steve, and a number of people went with us. Uh, they did not know what they were getting sure. themselves into. <laughs> so we went and we laid the foundation for the literacy center. And uh, uh, a surgeon in town, in town yep. went with us. And he told me, he said, I have never worked this hard <laughs> in my life because it was physical labor. labor. Hot, I'm sure. Hot and humid. Yep. We were, uh, you know, we have a wheelbarrows. We were moving rocks from this place to yep. the other place so that the truck that is bringing the sand does not just sink. <laughs> and so that was his perspective. Now, here is his wife's perspective. She came and told me, Take him every time you go. Because he <laughs> lost so much weight. <laughs> yeah. So we went in 2008, and then in 2017, uh, we went. Uh, we went with another group for the dedication of the New Testament sure. and for other things. For, uh, that uh, group, we did some physical labor too, yep. but not as intense as the other uh, uh, group. But I mean, we painted. Uh, you know, all kinds of things. And that's what you were referring to, that uh, we, we were painting some buildings. Okay? You showed up ready to Yeah, and paint. so we were, we were ready to paint the building, but the, uh, uh, the painter thought, oh, these white people are coming for photo ops. Okay? <laughs> so they did not even buy enough paint. And so we, in a, about, you know, half an hour, it was gone. And so I said, why didn't you buy enough? He said, oh, I did not actually think they were going to do it. I thought they were <laughs> going to stand here, take pictures. I said, no, these are Americans. They are not like the French. The Americans like to work with their hands. I said, yeah, I noticed that. Because so, from their custom, I mean, the French, maybe yeah. it's a two-tier. Two yeah, yeah, I mean, the French system, uh, uh, you know. Uh, Let's put it this way. Uh, the people in my area are not used to seeing French, work, French people sure. work sure. with their hands. Sure. And so when this group came and they were working hard and they were sweating, I mean, people were just like <laughs> amazed. So. so I'm assuming you're pro very well known when you go back. In my little corner of yes, that place. But yes. you're, I could just see the visual of mm -hmm. having you know, what you've done developing the language and your friends kind of chide you and say, mm -hmm. you're more 
well known for getting the white person to work with their hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably, but but I think they are. It is no, it, you know, it is almost like sometimes I joke that probably I do in this little corner. I I, I do more public diplomacy more than sure. uh, because. It, People see movies and things like that. They have not had a very immediate contact with an American. And, yeah. and uh, people, like when I go back, people remember uh, individuals that they have had contact with yeah. them very fondly. You yeah. know, when is this person coming back? I said, you know, so yeah. it's really. It's good. all perspective and yeah. getting to know people and what you're stigma or what you think of from the outside mm -hmm. never having met it's it's yeah. amazing yeah. um i'm still fascinated by to get back to the language how many mm -hmm. languages do you speak oh that i speak uh i can i can really i'm proficient in four okay. languages okay uh i speak french as much as i speak english as i speak any as as much as i speak uh, French and English. I get by with Spanish. Sure. Uh, uh, my wife thinks it is too humble because when I am in Costa Rica or any other Spanish-speaking country, you I just hold your own. I just talk to people normally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if yeah. they don't care about my mistakes, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. You know. So, so okay. So, so let's say for speaking four languages, uh, I also studied Greek. I don't speak it. I can read. Uh, some sure. and I can do I can read Hebrew because I also studied it. So really six languages that I can handle pretty well. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now to get back to the translation part, mm -hmm. you described this to me a little bit beforehand. The oral, the different, the tones and the mm -hmm. way you speak words to be mm -hmm. able to capture that to a written form. Talk a little bit about that, just the challenges, the nuances, which is a little different than the way you described it, completely different than English. Oh, yes. It's more of a tone-based language. Is that yeah. fair? Yes. And so languages are classified into three major categories, right? English is an accent language, okay? Yep. Uh, Japanese is a pitch accent language, and uh, Chinese, Mandarin, is a tone language, right? Okay. So ani is a tone language. So uh, if you change uh, the, the emphasis on one vowel, yeah. the meaning of the word changes. Okay, for instance, there are two uh, basic words. I'm going to say them and tell me if you hear any difference. Alie, alie. To me, no. <laughs> Do you? Alie, alie. Yeah, I, so one means food. Yeah. And one means day, like today. Okay. So uh, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, give us our, this day our daily bread. Yeah. If you do not put the accent correctly, people will, will read it like, give us our food, our today, today, our food. It completely basically. So up. to translate that to a written. Oh, it, it is. It is. So. To really understand where to put that little pesky accent mark yeah. is a problem. And so I had spent, you know, probably about 18 years in the translation 
Yep. And I had not yet found the role for that thing. And so one day I was standing by the roadside and two women were going to the farm. Yep. And there, it was a little hill and they were talking and they were talking loud enough, having a good, in, uh, loud sure. enough conversation sure. for me to capture the tone and the intonation. And that almost like opened my eyes that I need to capture the intonation so that I know where the, to put the commas and sure. things like that. So it is, it is a lot of work. <laughs> it is, but it is fun work though. Yeah, it's fun work. Yep. So fast forward to 2019, you've been mm -hmm. teaching at St. Cloud State mm -hmm. for how many years? Quite uh, a while? Almost 19 years. I wow. came in 2000, so 19 years. Yeah. What, um, what sort of, what are the classes that you teach? Okay. Uh, routinely, I teach Introduction to Linguistics, yep. and I teach uh, Sociolinguistics, uh, uh, Pedagogical Grammar, Phonetics, and Phonology. And these are, uh, uh, everything I do is revolves around language. Sure. Yeah. And so these are the courses that I teach. Uh, my Introduction to Linguistics uh, is probably the most basic course in our program. Uh, but it is also the most, the one that people need the most. Uh, some people who are going to go into elementary education take that course. Some people who are going to teaching, into teaching English as a second language yep. take the course. Some people who are going to go into communication sciences and disorders, you know, take the course. So cool, very mm -hmm. interesting. So now, in addition to that, mm -hmm. Kata is the name of your organization working yes. with. Mm -hmm. Ivory Coast. Tell mm -hmm. us, give us the background on that or how we can, people listening, what we can do, whether it's monetarily or volunteering, what, how can we be involved to mm -hmm. help with your organization? Okay. So CATA is C-A-T-A is the nonprofit that oversees sure. the work. And uh, so it is, uh, it has a government, a governing board. It is an, uh, an IRS approved. Sure. And so uh, when people uh, like you or anybody who hears this story and they want to help with literacy or, uh, or the uh, translation work, uh, they contribute, you know, the uh, finances to Qatar. Yep. And uh, it is, uh, you know, uh, we, we say basically that uh, it costs about $1,000 a year to, to run a literacy village. Okay. You know, so, and the, the cost includes the stipend, uh, about $500 for the stipend of the teacher, and then uh, the books and the transportation and the pencils and everything. So it uh, rounds up to Are about Are you teaching literacy and the gospel, just literacy, or is the gospel included in the program? Uh, it is a, a Bible-based literacy program. So... Uh, the first book in the program is like, it is the primer, the ABCs. Gotcha. Right? Okay. The second book in the program is uh, when people have learned how to read, we arrange the parables of Jesus from the shortest parable to the longest parable. Understood. So by the time the person finishes the second book, they are really proficient in reading. And the third book is the Gospel of Luke. 
uh, the entire gospel is the textbook. And we have questions uh, because we are building literacy. So you read, you answer questions like you know, yep. reading yep. comprehension. Yep. The fourth book is the, the epistles, and then people are ready to read the New Testament that is available. Yep. In addition to that, we have uh, additional material for uh, uh, mother care, infant care, and uh, so uh, so it is Bible based, but it is not does not exclude additional things sure. like community development, sure. uh, community health, and things like. But that. it is part of the basis or the backbone of the yeah. curriculum. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Etienne, it's been, I we met about six months ago, and mm -hmm. I was just fascinated and mesmerized by your story. And to think, you know, the whole purpose of, of us doing this podcast was to bring people in the central Minnesota that are doing amazing things. And I can't think of anyone doing more for, I can't imagine the challenges, the barriers that you've broken down, going to a new country and giving back, you know, we talk about here just in mm -hmm. our, mm -hmm. you know, basis of real estate, giving back to our local community. Mm -hmm living with such purpose mm -hmm. to give back to your country and being a part and as well as spreading the gospel of Christianity. And so I am just, um, when we met, I was grinning ear to ear to go back and t I had your pamphlet and mm -hmm. share it with my wife. And it was mm -hmm. just, it's cool to see such great people here in St. Cloud. And um, thank you for taking the time. What's your, what do you have a website? Uh, yes, uh, we have a website. It is the Anyi, A N Y I A N Y I Literacy Literacy dot O R G A N Y I Literacy dot O R G. Mm -hmm. But I also want to really thank you and people in Central Minnesota. I mean, uh, it okay. I am the visible face sure. of this project. Sure, but uh, my wife. Uh, uh, people in different churches. Westwood Church. I don't we know. Westwood Church. We are no longer there, but Westwood Church, when we were there, uh, we, we go to Harvest Fellowship now. Okay. And people, but even uh, Minnesota National Public Radio, I mean, no, Minnesota Radio, Minnesota Public Radio sure. did a program on the annual literacy uh, uh, work that I'm doing, uh, St. Cloud Times. Yeah. Uh, my employer, the uh, St. Cloud State University, uh, featured uh, my work in a, a magazine. You are giving me the opportunity to talk sure. about my work. And the people in my community here at St. Cloud have been just gracious and generous. And so I would like to take this opportunity Absolutely. to thank the community too. Absolutely. It's yes. every we make. Everyone makes this community so well and just doing these amazing things, it's yeah. fun to share. So yeah. thank you again for the time. Oh, thank you. Very and much. Uh, wish you happy holidays. And um, thanks for everyone listening. A-N-Y-I literacy.org. Um, Etienne, thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to us. If you really liked hearing the link, please subscribe below and I look forward to you joining us next time.